Sojourn, it's been a month. It's been a month that my wife and I and our two girls, we have loved and we've enjoyed thoroughly. You guys have received us well. You guys have loved us well already. already. My wife described it accurately. It's been a busy month. And she said, we are tired or weary physically, but our hearts are full. God is doing an extraordinary work in our midst. And the very fact that our family gets a chance to cling on to God with you and hold on for dear life is a blessing. You guys have already started us off well. You've received us well. Over the last four or five weeks of being here and worshiping with you on Sundays, I can't sleep. I could give a rip if I'm preaching or not. I just am so excited that I get a chance not only to know God, but to know him with you and to encourage one another as we're praising and exalting God. We gather each and every Sunday to praise God, to pray to our God, and to study our God's word together. I pray that none of us Take for granted that we can either know God, but not that we just know God, we can enjoy Him. And we can come to know Him ever more by studying His Word together. I pray you've come with an eager anticipation to hear from your God. This morning, we will be in Psalm 148. If you came without your Bible... Please raise your hand. We'd love to get you a Bible. Matt's just there in the back. Please get a Bible. And in a moment, once you get that Bible, we're going to stand and we're going to read God's Word together. And as we read God's Word together, be praying, Lord, search my heart and show me the meditations of my heart that are not pleasing to you. So sojourn, please, please rise as we read God's Word together. Praise the Lord together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens, you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created and he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the deeps. Fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock. Creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. This 
is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We've been in a sermon series. We've been in a sermon series called The Hurried Life. This is the sixth in this six-part series. We've talked about in the hurried life, the way for us to thrive is to be in the presence of God, to just enjoy your God. We've talked about prayer. You get to talk to the God of the universe. So we've talked about prayer. We've talked about patience. Just chill out. We've talked about partnership. You weren't created to do this alone. We need each other. Well, as we wrap up, this is going to be the practice of praise. In a hurried life, a life full of great success, and a life full of suffering, and in a life full of sickness, and sometimes in a life full of screaming children, we can oftentimes lose our purpose. Our overall purpose can get swallowed up by the pressing needs of the now. We can lose sight of the very purpose for why God has created us. No matter what religion or philosophy a person believes in, at various times, all people wonder, why am I here? What is the purpose for my life? This is a question that not only deserves an answer, but life demands it. Without knowing God's overall purpose for your life, life appears aimless. A haphazard throwing together of random events. When stress rises, we are oftentimes quicker to grumble than we are to glorify. When challenges arise, we are often quicker to despair than to delight in God. When you hear mommy or daddy for the hundredth time that day, your frustration rises. And the thought of being a maid or a taxi cab for your kids wears you thin. When the doctor calls with bad news from a recent visit, life's circumstances can be distracting. If I can be honest, the evidence in my life is much like the hymn that says, Prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love, spending when I don't really need, envying what someone else has, or eating when I'm not really that hungry. I'm keenly aware today that my view of God diminishes the more I'm distracted by my circumstances. This morning, let us ask the Lord to help us to remember the very purpose for why we have breath and life. Our passage this morning, Psalm 148, lovingly leads us to answer one of life's most important questions. Why has God made me? Why do I have life and breath? Why do I exist? In this psalm, the psalmist draws our attention to God being both universal and deeply personal. It is a passage that assaults our pride. All of creation is bound by one simple purpose. Praise the Lord. Praise the 
Lord. Whether one denies God or delights in God, the purpose remains the same. All of creation is a choir singing praise to our God. A sacred choir is creation. As our hearts are awakened to God's call on our lives, please look with him now at Psalm 148. There will be two main parts to the sermon this morning. Part number one, verses one through six. The choir of heaven, praise the Lord. And then part number two, the choir of earth, praise the Lord. Verses seven through 14. The first three words and the last three words of the psalm are exactly the same. A friend said recently, they're the frame that display this beautiful painting. What does the word praise mean? To praise something is to ascribe adoration to it. To worship something is to give worth to something. God has created us to praise. The question is not whether we will praise or not. The question is who or what gets our praise. The object of our praise captures and captivates our attention. Our affections long for it and our desires demand it. Part one. Let's look at look at down there. It's verses one through four. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Who should praise the Lord? Angels and hosts are first, being those who carry out God's word and mighty ministers who do His will. They are the supernatural forces through whom God's will is imposed in heaven and on earth. Can you picture this for a moment? Isaiah, a man, a person just like us, who God inspires to pull back the curtains of heaven. And Isaiah is able to look through those curtains and he's able to see God on his throne. And he's able to see the angels around. You got that? He's able to see the angels around the throne. And they're crying out, worthy, worthy. Worthy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The angels were created to praise. Then we look at the sun and the moon and the stars and the highest heavens and the waters above the heavens are exhorted to praise the Lord. Does this remind you of Psalm 19.1? The heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Why did he create marvelous and mysterious things? For his praise. All of creation is created to reflect and radiate the brilliance and the beauty and the majesty and the mystery of God. Now let's look at verses 5 and 6. Who deserves our praise and why? Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded 
and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Who is the choir of creation to praise? The object of creation's praise is God. Yahweh, the existing one, the proper name for God. His name specifies an immediacy, a presence. Yahweh is present, accessible, and near to his creation. A drop of rain does not fall unless he has ordained it. Why is creation to praise the Lord? Because God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. Why do we praise? Because God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. For he commanded and they were created, and he established them forever and ever and ever. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, their hosts. Let all inhabitants stand in awe of the Lord. Out of nothing he made something. What was once void is now full. Apart from God, nothing remains nothing. God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. In a hurried life, we often forget who our God is. How do the sun, moon, and stars praise the Lord? The voiceless praise God by being and doing what He, what God, created them to do. A friend read an article recently that said if you live in a large city, you're lucky if you see more than 70 stars. If you go out into the country and get just the right night, you can see up to 4,500 stars without any visual aid. Pick up a pair of binoculars, and that number jumps to 217,000. And if you have a three-inch telescope... You're hitting an estimated 5.3 million stars. More than you could count in your lifetime. The sun gives life to everything on earth. The moon regulates the ebb and flow of the ocean's tides. So how do they glorify God? They sing God's praises by being and doing what he created them to do. Picture the psalmist. Picture the psalmist looking up. Picture the psalmist looking up and beholding the glory. Beholding how marvelous and majestic. Beholding how beautiful and brilliant our God is. This psalmist, he knew his God. He also knew his Bible. This is a poetic commentary on Genesis 1. And he goes, son, you didn't get there by yourself. No random explosion of atoms created you. My God created you. Praise the Lord. He beheld it. He didn't allow his hurried life to pull him down for too long. He looked up. The choir of creation praises God because he is our creator 
and sustainer. Listen to Romans 11. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. I found this reality about God to be one of the most comforting things in a dark season of my life. Several years ago, I suffered a severe depression over a long period of time. As we all journey together, as we all sojourn together on the way to heaven, I'll tell you more about it, what God taught me. But one of the things I knew through this process is that I couldn't endure alone. So I called up a brother. And he said this to me, Edward, do you remember that God created and sustains the universe and you? He does not create and then leave. He sustains. Our God's all right here. And he's universal and big. And I needed a friend just to come alongside me and say, I know you're going through some mess, but let's just look up. Let's set our gaze on who God is. And then another friend with a bit of a sharp tone said, Edward, you are always operating at 110 miles an hour. But do you realize that unless you slow down to five miles an hour, sometimes you miss the beauty of God's artwork all around you? Stop doing and just go lie down in a field and look up. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. As seasons of prolonged sadness come and go in my life, I know who my God is. And he's got me. And he's got you. He's our creator and sustainer. Now let's look back at our passage. Part number two. The choir of earth. Praise the Lord. Verses seven through ten. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures in all the deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. From the highest of heights to the abyss in the sea, praise the Lord. No form or function of creation is neither created nor sustained unless God ordains it by his very word. Out of nothing he spoke and wham, there's something. There's power in the word of God. Look at that phrase, fulfilling his word. He'll always be about fulfilling his word. Lightning often accompanied hailstorms in the Holy Land. To us, the storms are unpredictable and seem out of control as they do extensive damage. But we are assured that they are accomplishing God's will. Even the storms are subjected to the word of God and fulfill his word. Now look at verses 11 and 12. We get to the crown of creation, humanity. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens, ladies, together old men and children. The crown of creation, praise the Lord. No aspect of creation is exempt from praising God. 
All of creation is purposed to praise God, especially the aspect of creation that was created in his image and has relational capacities to enable them to know God more deeply, serve him more affectionately, and praise his name with every fiber of their being. We weren't just created. We were created in the image of God to radiate and to reflect His glory. Does that remind you of Genesis 1 a little bit? So God created man in His image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. What was nothing is now something. What happened? God spoke. All of creation is bound by one simple purpose. Praise the Lord. Whether one denies God or delights in God, the purpose is the same. Praise the Lord. All creation Praise the Lord. A sacred choir is creation. Humanity is simply to respond in awe. In a holy chorus of praise, we shout. Worthy of are you of all glory and of all honor. For by your will, things were created and things existed. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. As we continue in our second point, there's one more choir that I haven't mentioned. Look down at your Bible there. The choir of the redeemed. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him, praise the Lord. Here we see again, as we did in verse 5, praise the name of the Lord. Who is God? He is the existing one, never created, never destroyed, infinite. The Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything, who by his word creates and sustains life. For his name alone is exalted. He is the holy of holy. Who is our God? His majesty reigns supreme. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You don't, and I don't, exalt him in our hearts. Our king is exalted. You just get your heart right with that. Our king is exalted. He is risen. Amen. So let us not fall into the trap of thinking we exalt him in our hearts. He's exalted. What is the horn Referring to the horn symbolizes a powerful protector and provider 
to guard and to guide. Who is the horn? Who is his protection and provision for? Who is guarded and guided by his word? His people. Look at the text. His people. And not just his people like some distant relative that you have to have over for Thanksgiving. No, no, no. You're part of his close family. Those who are near. God is the horn of salvation for his people. He led them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Seas. He conquered their enemies. He provided manna and water where there was none. He provided the sacrifices for their sins. He allowed Israel to know him. The themes of God's redeeming power run throughout all of the Bible, all of history, all of his story. Screams that our God is a redeeming God. We see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 67 and 69, worth your meditation later this afternoon. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Who is our risen horn? Who is the risen horn of our salvation that came to save us and to set us apart for the praise of his glory? Who came to set us free from the shackles of shame and guilt as a result of our rebellion against God? Who came to rescue us from darkness? Who came to rescue us from ourselves? Christ, Christ came. The grave could not hold him. Death could not ensnare him. And the Jews could not condemn him. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ is the provider of our salvation, resulting in the praise of his name. We have been brought near through Christ. We praise as a result of the victory won by the horn. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the horn of our salvation has risen. The horn of our salvation has risen. The chorus of praise rings loudly because God is our creator and our sustainer. That would be enough. That a holy God said, I will create you, and not just create you, but I will sustain you. He didn't just stop there. He says, not only will I create you, I will sustain you. And I will redeem you. Why? For the praise of his name. For his glory. For his renown. The chorus of the redeemed, praise the Lord. The chorus of the redeemed. Praise the Lord. I pray this morning we've been refreshed in our thinking about who our God is and why we should be praising Him. But most of you in this room would have agreed with everything I just said. But there's a problem. As we can all attest to, it is not whether we praise or not, as I said before, it is that our praise is often given to another. 
in a hurried life, our praise often gets misplaced. We lose focus. On Sunday, we glorify God, but by Tuesday, we're back to grumbling. If my kids need one more thing, if my boss gives me one more thing to do, if this professor assigns another paper, if I have one more friend hurt me, in the midst of life, we lose focus of our purpose. Our circumstances become Lord, and Christ the Lord fades to the background. Our minds, attention, and hearts, affections are swallowed up by the here and the now. We only look down, and we don't look up. In a hurried life, when we pause and look at our hearts, why does our praise get misplaced? To be simple and straightforward, pride. Pride gets in the way. Our sin problem is that we ignore or reject God and the world He created. Our sin problem is that we reject or ignore God in the world He created. We get distracted by our hurried lives and allow our praise to be given to someone or something other than God. Our praise of God falters when pride sets in. Whether that be pride for self-glorification, self-exaltation, or self-preservation. Whether we want all the glory. Boss, didn't you see what I did? I'm pretty legit. Or we do everything in our life to live in this comfortable bubble. Our praise of God falters when pride sets in. Pride is misplaced praise. Pride is praise misplaced. Our heart is a praise factory. When we praise or worship someone or something more than God, a disastrous exchange has occurred. As Roman 1 says, we have exchanged the corruptible with the incorruptible. Pride distorts our purpose. We oftentimes praise creation over the creator, the gift, over the giver. Our sin problem is that we ignore or reject God in the world he created. How should we respond? We must cry out and say we're sorry. We have ignored or rejected God. Our only response is, I'm sorry, because he's the creator. Just because you say sorry doesn't mean he becomes more of your creator. No, no, he created you. Our response is, we're sorry. And as I admitted earlier, the evidence in my life is much like the hymn that says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Spending when I don't really have a need or envying what someone else has. Or let's just get a little bit more real. Or I crave the praise of another. Self-exaltation. I praise another. As a, way, as a way to restore my own self-worth. I am keenly aware that my view of God diminishes the more I get distracted by my circumstances. How do we fight against misplaced praise? Simple. Remember who 
your God is. When we fail to remember who God is, when someone or something has stolen our praise, over time, the result is often anger, confusion, and anxiety. Allow these difficult emotions to fuel your desperation to remember who God is. Don't suppress them, recognize them. Don't hide from them, and don't hide from your God. What does it say? Draw near, because he's drawn near to you. Use them as an indicator that someone or something has stolen your praise. I've learned the hard way. If I live for the praise of man, my attention and affections are shaped by what someone thinks or says. As my attention and affections conform to seeking the praise of man, I attach my identity and inner sense of worth to what someone says or thinks. The result, I will soon neglect praising God because my view of him is small and my view of people is bigger. When our view of God is distorted, everything else is distorted. How you view God determines how you view life. How you view God determines how you view life. In life, whether in a hurry or not, someone or something is always trying to steal your praise, trying to distract you from remembering who God is. This reality hit close to home recently. I had just finished a great quiet time. I had just finished reflecting on the burdens and the blessings of being a husband, of being a father, and being a pastor. I walk past our kitchen table and I see a letter from my doctor. The letter indicated that a polyp had been removed on a recent visit and that polyp is precancerous. The letter goes on, and then I call the doctor, and Edward, now you are a high risk for colon cancer in the future. I sat there numb. I sat there stunned. And I sat there as a wave of sadness rushed over me. The irony is that my thoughts just before opening the letter we're doing what I was encouraging you to do, remembering who your God was, and I was remembering that God is my constant in an ever-changing world. Then I looked down, and that's when I saw the letter. In the moments that following, I sat there in silence. And then, and then God showed up in that moment. And he said, I, Edward, I, I was God before you opened the envelope. And I'm still God. Was there still despair? Yeah. Do I still got the letter? Yeah. Do I need to go back for more checkups? Yeah. But God is God. He is my creator. He is my sustainer. And he is my redeemer. 
And then Sunday morning rolls around. Aren't we supposed to come in full of joy with a big smile on our face because everything's good in life? Just kidding. On the drive in, I said, Lord, things aren't right in my heart. I'm not worshiping you as I should. I'm allowing this to draw me down. I'm looking down far too long. And then who, of course, is here at 758 every Sunday morning? Sean. <laughs> I walked in. I said, homie, I need you to pray for me. I'm not right in my head. He agreed on many levels. <laughs> but then Sean just said a simple prayer over me. Nothing profound. What? What was profound is that he took me before God. And in that moment when we join each other in prayer, we're reminding ourselves, who is God? And the heart started to change a little bit. And then I had a little coffee to get real. And then I prayed with the group that shows up at 945 for the persecuted church, for the church to expand throughout all the nations. That we just wouldn't be a church that worships in Fairfax and desires to reach our neighbors. That we would take the gospel to the nations. Ooh, and then that just got me all amped up. And then I was back. <laughs> in difficult conditions, it is often hard to praise God. At these times, we need to draw near evermore. Read the Psalms. Allow them to give you words that you cannot give yourself. When the dark night of depression sets in, call a friend and just say, will you remind me of who God is? Will you read scripture to me? We are needy people who need each other to help us to praise the Lord. Remember this, it is a chorus of praise, not a solo performance of praise. Our gathering each and every Lord's Day to sing God's praises to God and each other is soul-stirring and God-pleasing. Be a church. A guy I respect deeply says this, you are part of a choir, and sometimes others can carry the tune while you are taking a breath. So, soldier, let us remember our purpose. Praise the Lord. Why? Even just from this text. Because he is our creator. He is our sustainer. He is our redeemer. He created you. He knows you. He sustains you. And through Christ... You are near to the God of the universe. A sacred choir is creation. And we also gather each week to take communion as a family. And guys, it's one of the things that I just get the most amped about every week. And the reason why I don't jump out of my seat very quickly to take communion it's because I sit there and I listen to the chorus of praise that sang, sings out, this is his body broken for you. This is his blood shed for you. Just sit and listen to that. We're not singing of some distant Savior. We're singing of my Savior. As you come up to take communion, his body was broken for you. 
His blood was poured out for you as his blood was poured out. The filth of our sin was washed away. We come before the table now remembering who our God is. Remembering who we are. And that should invoke some repentance in each one of us. We each have a little something to say we're sorry for. Because maybe we've grumbled more than glorified. Maybe someone or something has hijacked our praise this week. I don't know what it is for you. But I know that your God does. And he says, come to me. Don't run and hide. That's what your first parents did. Come to me. Draw near to me. I'm right here. And as you repent, repenting is just saying, I'm sorry. But be a little specific. Lord, I allowed this to take away the praise that was deservedly yours. So just chill for a minute. Take a breath. Emily's right here. We got your kids. They're in good hands. Take a breath. Remind yourself of who God is. And then take some time and repent. If you want to look for a guide on that, read over Psalm 148 again. And saying, Lord, search my heart. Show me the meditations of my heart that aren't pleasing to you. And then whenever you're ready, come to the table. But don't come begrudgingly. Don't come weighted down by your sin. Like, come bursting with joy. Because you're forgiven. The shackles of shame and guilt are no more. There is no more, what? Condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The horn of our salvation has risen. Let us rise up and take communion together. If you're here visiting, welcome. If you're here visiting and as a Christ follower, please come on to the table. As long as you cry, call Christ your Savior. If you're here visiting and you wouldn't say that Christ is your Lord and Savior, just chill out in your seat. We ain't judging you. Just hang out in your seat. But realize what's going on around you isn't empty religious ritual. What's going on around you are, are people individually and collectively coming together saying, God is my God. God is my creator. God is my sustainer. God, through Christ, is my redeemer. And as you sit in your seat, I just have one more question for you, and then I'm out. Who do you believe God to be? So just hang out in your seat. But thank you for visiting, and I pray that you come back. And I promise we'll try to love you well. And in part, we'll tell you what the truth of the gospel is. But we won't just share it with you. Lord willing, we'll show it well also. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day that you have given us breath and life to know you. Thank you for your never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. 
Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is coming within our hearts now and is comforting the afflicted, converting the sinner, counseling the saint. So, Father, as we sit before you and bask and in and behold your glory, help us to know how we have not praised you this week. Who or what has stolen the praise you rightfully deserve, Lord? And Lord, thank you that you are gracious enough to convict us of those things. Lord, thank you that your love endures. That your love endures so much that there is no more condemnation in you. Lord, that we would be a congregation that draws near. Because you first drew near to us. You're incredible, Father. Enlarge our vision of who you are. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.